coming to get you, Barbara. I am Dracula. Red rum! Red rum! You know, it's Halloween. I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare, huh? Dinosaur ain't no dinosaur. This is Darnish Horror Month. We all go a little mad sometimes. You've got red on you. Hello, and welcome to Film Church Radio, the podcast that treats cinema as a religion. It's Sunday. I'm Brandon. I'm Ed. <laughs> and we are here to talk about movies. Each week, Ed and I alternate picking a film for us both to watch and discuss. And this week, I picked Shaun of the Dead from 2005? Or is it is it 2005? Four. It is, okay, 2004. Um, of course... You know, if you want to know what we're watching next week, you got to listen to the end of the episode. Um, this whole month, it, it's October, and because it's October, it's our Darnish Horror Month, uh, where we're just watching horror movies and talking about them. So, yeah, welcome. If you don't like horror movies, maybe you'll like this podcast. <laughs> and if you do like horror movies, maybe you'll like this podcast. Um. Yeah, uh, Shaun of the Dead. You know, we're gonna talk about it here in a little bit, but uh, I don't think I've maybe rewatched it since like I don't know. It's been a long time. Maybe since like 2010. So wow. Yeah. Um, we're gonna get into that here in a bit. Uh, if you're new to the show, thanks for being here. If you're not new to the show, thanks for being here. Um, you can share it with your friends. Just tell them to go to filmchurchradio.com. We're also on social media platforms at Film Church Radio. Um, we regularly post on our Instagram short little clips of uh, the episode. So if that you're having trouble deciding which episode to listen to, you can preview um, little clips on our Instagram and share stuff with people and uh, engage with us in this holy community of film lovers. Um, <laughs> before we discuss the film, we've got a little trailers section, which is also kind of like hymns before the main sermon, where we talk about other movies we've watched this week. And Lewis is going to go first. I am. Lewis Ed, Ed Lewis. <laughs> uh, what the heck have you been watching? Um, Ed Lewis sounds a knockoff of Ed Hardy that you would find like on a beach somewhere, <laughs> and it'd be like the you know the tiger shirts and stuff. Um, that's my side hustle. Uh, I took I took my daughter to go and see Peter Pan in the cinema, um, carrying on that Disney thing. It's yeah, been happening pretty regularly. So we went to see. Peter Pan. Um, been a long time since I'd like rewatched it. Um, there's there's a few issues with it now, like watching it through the lens of, um, you know, 2023. There's a few things in there that you're like, oh dear. Um, but I feel like that's the same with quite a lot of Disney films. There's a lot that when you kind of are not a child anymore, mm. don't sit quite right. Um, like what? But it's such. Like the representation of um, Native Americans, mm, yeah, in Peter Pan that. is really 
Mm-mm. Weird. What makes um, the red man red? That whole song. Yes. Yes. Got a good beat, but the words are like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Tink about wanting to kill Wendy is pretty grim. Yeah. And she tries it constantly. Um, but I feel like the stories are grim. This is. Yeah. Yeah. It's not. I mean, when you kind of, you know, you look at it from our perspective, it's like Peter Pan doesn't want to grow up and he doesn't want to go home. That's the whole point. Like, he's been yeah. in this loop forever, you know? Yeah. And it's kind of sad. Yeah. For sure. Um, I mean, the film is really good. I feel like a lot of Disney films are maybe more for the, for like girls, for little girls and stuff. You know, there's a lot of princesses, especially those ones that have been like, talked about and kind of celebrated a lot and this is like such a boys film you know mm. it's like everything that a boy would be into in like a film there's pirates there's you know mermaids there's battles with yeah <laughs> americans there's yeah mermaids there's flying you know Skull island exactly yeah like all this stuff and you're like this is you know if i was a you know when i was a boy this was really cool and i liked it a lot um and it's you know it's still got that wonder of when they're flying around London together and yeah everything it's still really fun um so yeah i gave it 4 out of 5 solid i think the the thing i try to do now is i try to you know just not let that influence me too much you know these things that as long as i acknowledge them yeah. and i know they're there i think it's like okay i've done my job it's not like i'm going to be I don't know, celebrating that fact. Mm-hmm. But as a whole, the film is really good. And I enjoyed it a lot. And my daughter enjoyed it. So Has she um been talking about it afterwards at all? Or any of those no. Disney movies at all that you went to uh, see in theaters? She loves Cinderella. So yeah. she talks about that a lot. Nice. Um yeah. but yeah, Peter Pan, I mean, my my sister went to t- took her to see Hundred and One Dalmatians as well. And she hasn't really mentioned that lauren said that she, my sister said that she got like a bit um bored, bored towards the end mm. yeah yeah um she didn't with peter pan which was good but she hasn't like been like i want to watch more peter pan yeah so yeah I, I remember being pretty obsessed with peter pan when i was a kid yeah peter, yeah. peter pan and spider-man mm-hmm. yeah yeah you just like the rhymes <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> peter that's the that's a the movie crossover we need yeah peter pan and and spider-man but like (laughs) isn't uh green goblin he looks like peter pan yeah (laughs) (laughs) but uh his little hat yeah and his tights (laughs) (laughs) uh and he can fly yeah um yeah but his thoughts are his happy thoughts are a little different (laughs) exactly yeah Exactly. Um, <laughs> no, like Captain Hook in that movie, in the cartoon, it is he's so great. Uh, like, yeah. there, there's a part of the movie that I that is just like ingrained in my uh, my memory when uh, Captain Hook is like, it's just a shot of him, and he's like, Peter Pan will be blasted out of Neverland. Yeah. Forever. <laughs> it's yeah. just like I don't know. Yeah, that's where the movie peaks. Yeah, he is. I think 
Captain Hook is a wonderful villain because he's like incredibly angry, but he is constantly being like shown up. You know, yeah. like from the very start, you know he's not going to win. Whereas, like with Cinderella, the the you know stepmother and stuff are evil from the beginning, and it's not until the very end that they kind of get some kind of comeuppance. Mm. Where yeah. he's constantly being like hit in the face by Smee, like knocked overboard, like eaten by the crocodile, and getting out. You know, yeah. So it's um it's a good balance. Yeah, yeah. Pity that Wendy is just used to like look after the boys. Mm-hmm. She doesn't do much more than just be a mother. Yeah. Did you see the new one? The, there's like I a, didn't on no. Disney Plus. It's like I haven't seen it either. I think it's just called oh, it's called pa- Peter and Wendy or something. Okay. Uh, but it's uh David Lowry, I think. Mm. Did it. Oh, okay. I heard that. I mean, when it came out, I heard that it wasn't terrible. That people were pleasantly surprised by it. Yeah, yeah. He's done a. Co- I mean, he did that. He al- he also did uh the new Pete's Dragon. Yeah. Um. So he's kind of like, I think, building a career of making these really good indie like artistic films, and yeah. and then doing like some big budget kids yeah, movies. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's paying the bills. Yeah. And, you know, his credibility is still intact. So, yeah. Not many people can say that. And I don't know if he, I don't know where he shoots his movies, but I'm, I'm pretty sure he's based in Dallas or lives in Dallas. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. That's I think. Awesome. Pretty yeah. sure. Yeah. Could be. I felt like now. I was in Never Never Land when I lived in Dallas, too. So, yeah. <laughs> probably. <laughs> that's probably where he filmed it. <laughs> you just lived on Skull Island. That's why you left. <laughs> that's right. Too far away from the mermaids. <laughs> um, and then the other film that I watched this week um, was inspired by our last week um, watch for Film Church, which was Bram Stoker's Dracula. I watched um, Dracula from 1958, um, directed by Terence Fisher, with Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee. The Hammer Horror mm. Dracula film that I think in America it's called Blood of Dracula, which is really confusing to me because there's so uh, so many like sequels to this with yeah. Christopher Lee that it's hard to kind of figure out, out which, which one's one. first. Yeah, exactly. Whereas in England it's just called Dracula. Yeah, and I assume very similar to Bram Stoker's Dracula that it has something to do with the fact that Universal made Dracula in the 30s, and it was like. An American studio couldn't call it Dracula because they still have the rights to it, or maybe, or something yeah. like that. I don't know. So, in America, it's called Blood of Dracula, I think. But yeah, so I watched that. It's really good. It's a really good spooky telling, kind of not super um, like um, similar to anything else you've seen. It kind of follows the same storyline a little bit. Um, but Christopher Lee makes an incredible Dracula. Really. Yeah, I mean, I figured really he does, but yeah, I, I've yeah. actually never watched it. So, yeah, because Bella Lugosi's quite small and squat. You know, he's like he's a bit smaller. So same, same with Gary Oldman. He doesn't feel big. Yeah, you know. Um, whereas Christopher Lee is like really tall and really slim. It's more like and an Nosferatu. Yeah, exactly. Um, and there's a scene early on where he kind of comes running through the door, and his eyes are all bloodshot, and he's kind of like hissing. And I was like, whoa, that's really good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that was really scary. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it's really good. But then the good thing is you've got Peter Cushing 
when Christopher Lee's not on screen, because there's a lot of time where he's not, he's just like, you know, that like what's going on with all these people bit dying with yeah. you know puncture wounds in the neck. So he's not really in it. But then Peter Cushing is, and he's really good too. Sweet. So it like balances the both. Yeah. Um the review on Letterboxd, I know you haven't seen The Simpsons much, but there's a dog called Poochie on there. Uh-huh. Um for like one episode and they're like he's introduced to like a TV show called Itchy and Scratchy in the light. Um, whenever he's not on screen, everyone should be asking, where's Poochie? And I was like, every other Dracula film reminds me of that. It's like, when every Dracula's not there, you should, you've got to be like, where's Dracula? But this <laughs> film is like, you don't need him, we've got Peter Cushing. Yeah. Which was really nice. So it kind of, it didn't bore me at all, which was great. Nice. And it's only 82 minutes, so. Oh, wow. Okay. Short, sweet, sucks your blood, gets out. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm definitely going to watch it. I'll it's have, really fun. I'll have to watch yeah. it before October is over. Yeah, it's really good. I, I recommend it. And of course, Zach recommended it too. Yeah. Um, as one of his picks. So you can't go wrong with a Zach pick. Yeah. Um, but yeah, right. that was it. I mean, it's been been a small week in terms of watching. So yeah. just Dracula and Peter Pan. Nice. What about you? Yeah, same for me. I only have watched Marriage Story or Ooh. rewatched Marriage yeah. Story from 2019, the Noah Baumbach nice. film. Yeah, we actually just put it on last night and um, I figured I would fall asleep while watching yeah. it because we started it at like 11 p.m. Uh, hmm. But yeah, um, I mean, it's an incredible film. We've talked about it before. Um, yeah. The uh, the scenes that are the the one part that I really I mean I I think I probably enjoyed all of uh these parts of the film you know when I saw it the first time but yeah. um the part that stood out to me again this time was um the scene with Laura Dern where she's talking about women's place in society mm-hmm. and uh you know, what is based on, you know, based on our Judeo-Christian background and, um, you know, and she's just like, it, she's like, yeah, it's fucked up, but that's the way it is, you know? (laughs) And it's just like, it's really interesting. It's really, really, it's very to the point and very accurate. Um, Yeah. Cause she's talking about like, um, you know how society doesn't will not accept a uh a, I don't forget what exactly she word she uses um but like won't accept a like lazy mother basically or like yeah um but they will accept a you know they they won't accept a flawed mother but they'll accept a flawed father yeah um and it's like but you know it actually doesn't matter whether society accepts or not it's actually it's what she's talking about it's like based in the court system yeah you know no like you know, yeah <laughs> they won't accept it um cuz like the scene opens with scarlett johansson like talking about like yeah i'll have like a glass of wine sometimes or yeah you know whatever and I did some drugs in college and like, but it's like those things should be fine, 
Yeah, but exactly. Yeah. <laughs> when you're in the court, it's like, no, just don't say that. Yeah. You know, you're you're not allowed to have flaws. And it, it's crazy because like everybody has flaws. Every mm-hmm. human is flawed. Yeah. Um It's like no wonder there's a mental health crisis. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Um because yeah, there's just so much pressure to if you want to be successful or if you want to like see your children or like, you know, like things that should be basic human rights you have to like fight for i don't know yeah that's a little tangent there but um yeah incredible movie like the the setups and some of the scenes are just so so good it's kind of crazy because it relies so much of the scenes rely on the actors performances and they all just nail it yeah like the scene where they're trying to um give adam driver his uh, where they're trying to serve him his divorce papers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the tension in that scene is so well executed, but it relies so heavily on the actors to do mm-hmm. it right. It's it's yeah. just wild. Yeah, um, it's it's one of the only films. Sorry to interrupt, but when I first saw it, I can remember the, the scene where they're arguing and it kind of escalates and escalates and escalates until he put, like punches the wall. Yeah, I can remember at the end of that, like being like whoa yeah like like telling myself to breathe again and then i had to rewind it and watch it again and i don't do that with films you know i was like i need to watch that scene again yeah it was so good yeah the whole thing's like that though i could watch it you know again and again yeah yeah it's brilliant yeah it is it is really really good very powerful yeah um it it also made me think of Noah Baumbach as like uh I don't know he it's it's almost like if I didn't know anything about directors and yeah. and I just watched the films without the credits and you told me that Noah Baumbach's first film was Clerks I would believe you yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah um because like his style he did he did he doesn't like it's his style is like no style mm-hmm. if that makes sense like his yeah. style is to like just let's put it on a wide mm-hmm. we'll have a couple of close-ups here and there um but mostly it's like watching theater yeah um yeah, because you watch like Francis Ha, and you know maybe not all of his films are like this, but you watch Francis Ha, and then you watch Marriage Story. It's very yeah. similar in style. Yeah. Um. But yeah, just thought that was interesting. Mm. Yeah, I mean it's a great film, and I'm glad that like it just gives you something more every time you go back to it. Yeah. Do you think that it was influenced by you watching Francis Ha? Do you think you got that? Like sense of it, like sense of him as a director, because we just watched Francis Ha. Probably, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. Um, yeah, and just thinking about you know the films of his that I have seen. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I'm just paying more attention to. Pl- yeah, just filmmakers' styles. Yeah. As a whole. Um, yeah. 
you know, because I, I think, I mean, even with this show, I think we, a lot we've we've started discussing that, and mm-hmm. you know, we've taken a couple of filmmakers and just watched their whole filmography. Um, yeah, I think I'm starting to recognize like the through lines through some of these filmographies. Yeah, it's the whole auteur theory. It's just you know, a filmmaker can influence like every you know their film, and it can be a representation of them, even though all these people kind of work behind the scenes to make it a reality it's still their baby yeah we are an alter theory podcast i think <laughs> i think so um yeah i do i do like films that aren't necessarily odd tour works as well yeah yeah but then it, but there's so much joy. i mean like hitchcock when i first discovered hitchcock going in and knowing kind of you were going to get tastes of the same through all of them were very exciting. Being like, hey, I love that. I want to see more of that. Oh, guess what? There's four more films with Cary Grant. You know? Yeah. I'm just being excited to watch them. Yeah, because it's kind of like, it's almost like a filmmaker becomes a brand. Yeah, Um, exactly. Hitchcock more than anybody else, I think. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You know, because he had all the Hitchcock presents and stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, Hitchcock, Hitchcock presents like books and stuff too. Yeah, um, yeah, he did annuals and yeah, mm-hmm. loads of stuff. But yeah, I, um, yeah, I think why some of these odd tours become successful as well is just because I mean they also work with the same people over and over again. So it's yeah. it's all of the people getting on board with the idea of the auteur and the brand as yeah. well. Yeah. Um, you know, so I think, I think credit is due equally probably to the, um, the filmmaker and the greed and the crew. Cause it's like, yeah, the crew has to. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Believe in them. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it, it also creates the same style throughout. Yes. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. We could do a whole show on the like directors. Yeah, I'm sure. Every show is about directors. So. Yeah, pretty much. I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> we'll probably, I mean, we're going to talk about it in the next bit anyway. <laughs> yeah. No, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like even when, like, especially when a, a filmmaker, a filmmaker quote-unquote auteur filmmaker becomes established even if they do work with a different crew or a different like cinematographer or whatever it's usually that cinematographer trying to imitate their style yeah you know Mm -hmm. it's interesting and you'll find a lot of times like people that do have a certain stamp will look out to change dps to widen their appeal you know if they're trying yeah. something different you'll see you know you'll read news articles and they'll be like a director of photography blah 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 who's worked with them since the breakout hit dom is no longer being used on this film yeah you know that kind of stuff so interesting yeah <laughs> um but yeah we're uh we are uh now going to talk about an an auteur filmmaker in our feature presentation Shaun of the Dead, 
2004. A romantic comedy with zombies. Sean lives a supremely uneventful life, which revolves around his girlfriend, his mother, and above all, his local pub. This gentle routine is threatened when the dead return to life and make strenuous attempts to snack on ordinary land, land, Londoners. Oh my God, I cannot get the, the sentence. <laughs> Londoners. I don't think I've ever thought or seen the word Londoners. Is that <laughs> really how you say it? Londoners? Yeah. Or Southerners to us. Londoners. Interesting. Yeah. So London is kind of like Southerners. Yeah. Are they conservative? Um, a mixed bag, I would say. Depends. Yeah. There's a lot of money in London. Yeah. So with that, there's a lot of um, opposing ideas, I guess. Yeah. Londoners are perfectly fine. That's interesting. I, In my mind, uh, you know, throughout my whole life growing up, London is like east yeah northeast yeah. you know yeah. very far yeah. away mm -hmm. but i guess for mm -hmm. you it's like more south like, it's south <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just down there yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's so weird it is weird because i don't feel like this film feels like a london movie yeah do you know when you like i know notting hill is like the quintessential one but you feel like that's london mm -hmm. and this doesn't feel like london to me or like peter pan yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, Weird. Yeah, so Edgar Wright, filmmaker Edgar extraordinaire. Wright. Yeah. Um, you got to love him or you got to hate him. How do you feel? I love him. <laughs> I love him. <laughs> I love him. I think it. he has... I think for a while, a lot of the hopes of the British film industry kind of rested on his shoulders mm. because he was making like British movies um, with British casts and like really, and it was kind of going, you know, transatlantic. It was going across the pond and really, really, you know, hitting with different people. Yeah. You know, which was great. Um, and I love that he's kind of stayed close to what he wants to do. I know that for a while he was going to be working on Ant Man. Yeah. And then. For creative differences, like dropped out, which you know is probably for the best. I'm quite glad that you know he's still making his the films that he wants to make and doing well off it. Yeah, he's not tied to a studio or anything. Yeah. Um. Yeah. For how do you feel about him? I like him. I like him. Uh, I always enjoy his interviews and hearing him talk about film. Yes. Is is so infectious. Mm -hmm. his movies I have an interesting relationship with especially I feel like Shaun of the Dead because when I watch his movies and when I watch Shaun of the Dead I'm like <laughs> I'm looking at them so hypercritically I'm like sitting yeah. there with my arms crossed I, I think there's like some jealousy there you yeah. know where I'm just sitting there with my arm crossed like hmm <laughs> I could do this, you yeah. know? Um, and, uh, but when you, when you like start breaking his films down, like he, he makes it look so freaking easy. 
Mm-hmm. And I think that is is maybe where the jealousy is coming from because they're so clever yeah. and so well done and so um, so thought out. Like every cut is perfect. The time, the pacing and timing, the yes. shots, the writing, all of it is just um just seamless mm-hmm. and 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 just clever you know what i mean yeah that uh yeah he makes it look easy but it's not it's definitely no. not and it definitely yeah. took a lot of time to um to get you know this final edit and yeah. and to you know get these shots perfect and um, yeah. have everything match and and make sense um yeah, I think my appreciation for him is only kind of just starting to brew up a little more because mm-hmm. he's been somebody I've kind of passively followed. Yeah. Um, but none of his films have ever been like films that I just talk about regularly. Yeah. Um, but I do, but I always enjoy hearing him talk about films. You know yes. what I mean? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, after watching this, I I, I really want to go and back and watch Baby Driver again. Um, but yeah, uh, I mean, obviously Scott Pilgrim is also amazing. Yeah. Um, I think Baby Driver really drives home the fact that every one of his films is there's a, there's like a beat to them, and you're watching it, and it's kind of like there's a certain it's kind of like a repetition. It's like, do you know when you listen to kind of, I mean, in here they mention electro. So if you listen to kind of like electro music uh, or techno and it's kind of like there's an underlying beat that keeps you kind of going. Right. His films are very similar to that. There's always mm. like things are done like perfectly in time. So yeah. it's kind of got your attention. Nothing ever feel like, it feels like you're constantly moving, moving forward. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're so easy to watch because of that. Yeah. It you know, there's not a scene in it that doesn't feel relevant or it's not like, you know, dancing to the same beat. Yeah. And this is a perfect example of that. You know, there's like there's doors shutting to end a scene or a conversation. There's, you know, the wipes. You know, we pan down at one point and it, the next thing we see is a letterbox opening. So it's kind of like we're just going straight into the letterbox. Yeah. Um it's such a brilliant kind of rhythm. And then Baby Driver is like that times a hundred. Uh huh. Yeah, because even the footsteps are to the beat of the music. Ooh, you know, it's yeah. crazy. Yeah, I, I I still don't know how that was <laughs> translated to the screen. It's a phenomenal film. Yeah, they, there was there was a shot like that in this movie in Shaun of the Dead where the in the I think it's in the opening credits and the kid is uh, hitting the the soccer ball. Yeah, and or football as you would call it, <laughs> <laughs> and. Uh, and and it's to the beat of the music. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like... It happens... I know. It happens later when the landlord of the pub comes out as a zombie and they're hitting him with the... Oh, that's right. Cues yeah, yeah. ...to the Don't Stop Me Now. Like, even Simon Pegg's grunts are to the... He's like, uh, uh, yeah. uh. Yeah. You know, like, to the music, which is really, really good. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's crazy he got two... There's two yeah. Queen songs. Yes. In this film. I wonder if it was cheaper back then. 
Maybe. Or maybe because they're English, they just wanted you know give a leg up to another fellow yeah, Englishman. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. I mean, I I really have been missing out. I think not not mm. watching his films over and over and over. Yeah. Um, I feel like Hot Fuzz I've seen maybe the most. Really? I've yeah. tried to watch Hot Fuzz a couple of times. And yeah. There, that one I think is just so fast. Yeah. That I could, I just couldn't keep up. I was like, mm-hmm. what? You know, yeah. even this movie, even Shaun of the Dead, I had to rewind it a couple of times because I noticed myself being like, Okay, a a whole thing just happened, and I don't yeah. remember what it was, <laughs> yeah. and I just yeah. had I had to run. It was like twenty seconds, you yeah. Know? Um, which I'm sure changes on rewatches. You know, you probably mm-hmm. pick up a lot more things, but yeah, Hot Fuzz. I I just have not been able to. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna watch it again soon. Think... So many people have said Hot Fuzz is so good, yeah, and I yeah. just haven't been able to keep up with it yet. I think that once you kind of once now that we've seen Point Break, it'll add an extra layer to it. Okay, Um, and it's a little bit more. I mean, this is like a horror comedy. Yeah. Apart from people being kind of like dismembered on screen, it's not that terrifying. It's it's leaning more into the comedy, and Hot Fuzz is kind of the same as that, but there is still like a very evil twist to it. Mm. you know yeah which is a lot of fun hot fuzz is more like a murder mystery which i really like yeah for sure um in more a hitchcock make more hitchcock yeah you think yeah yeah definitely yeah um yeah it's you should definitely give it a watch i mean the the only one that i i haven't gone back to watch a lot from edgar wright's filmography is the world's end mm-hmm. um yeah and i only just watched that i think last year yeah and i really enjoyed it i thought it was really good yeah I'm gonna to have to go back and watch it. It's been a long time. I can't. When did Letterbox says that I watched it? Um. Oh, not that long ago, like a few years ago. But I still don't feel like I know it that well. Yeah. You know. So, but he considers like Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and World's End like a trilogy, right? Yeah. So it would. So it, they call it the Cornetto trilogy because a character eats a Cornetto, which is like an ice cream in each one of them oh okay so it's kind of like and there's you know similar themes of kind of um the world being kind of overrun i guess yeah and it's simon Pegg and nick frost and yes yeah and then it kind of yeah and then it kind of breaks up after that that's the seems to be the end of their creative output for now yeah i'd love to get get some more a fourth yeah well simon Pegg is so well, he's he's doing so much yeah, himself now. I, I mean, he's a huge yeah. movie star, mm-hmm. and I'm sure he does a lot of writing as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, Nick Frost. I mean, they're always kind of posting. I think that Simon Pegg and Nick Frost are still like best of friends. Mm. You know, they still see each other all the time and stuff. <clears throat> Where did all these boys meet each other? Um, I'm not sure of where they met each other. I know that. Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg worked on a TV show in England called Spaced, uh-huh. which is like kind of, you know, like a sitcom, a bit like Big Bang Theory, but don't let oh, that okay. put you off. Yeah. Um, and then Nick Frost was in that as well. And I, the characters of Sean and the Dead, of Sean and Ed, are based on Simon and Nick when they were 
like flatmates together okay. in the early years. Yeah. So I think they all kind of knew each other. Probably, for, I would assume, you know, college, university. Mm. I'm not sure yeah, when yeah. they all met, but they've kind of creatively were working together from the start. Yeah. And then this was written by Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg. So it's them, you know, putting their love of zombie movies into a script. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a really fun movie. It, uh, you know, I wouldn't, you know, it, it has enough horror elements, I guess, to be a horror movie, but it's not, um, mm. you know, it's not going to make you poop your pants. No, definitely <laughs> not. Yeah, um, and I've got my biggest theory is there was, I think it's called Death Day. Do you know the film that came out like a few years ago and then they made a sequel to it? Yeah. And that was like a horror comedy. And like I can remember at the time I was my big proclamation was horror comedies are not designed to be horror comedies, it's just when the horror isn't scary. That they like add some jokes to try and, you know, balance oh, the right. two. But I think that this is this disproves that theory. Mm. Because it's still, you know, a zombie movie and there's still people being like eaten alive, but it's still really funny. Yeah. Um, mo- I think it's really well. I think it's mostly funny. The yes. the horror, the drama parts of it, I don't know. They're more enjoyable. They're not like you know, you're never like yeah. terrified necessarily. No. And even like you know, when someone dies, it's like funny. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You know, like the um is it David? Or what, mm-hmm. Is that his name? Like the Yeah. The annoying guy, he finally gets yeah. killed and they just like dig into his stomach. I kind of want to see more of that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I love that. I love after they dig, dig into his stomach. That's the one I always think of, like the death. I love how his arms, head, and legs just pop off. <laughs> just They're just pop like, right off. Yeah, exactly. Just like, boop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I still think there's those like really well worked. Um, like emotional scenes there's like the the one with philip in the car when he's yeah. like i've always loved you sean which was really sweet and then with his mom as well yeah um they work really well which i think is hard to get you know because the tone they shift so quickly with that with that tone yeah you know it's kind of ed's driving you know hitting <laughs> zombies like there were skittles in the road and then it cuts to that and you're supposed to kind of do like a 180 in how you feel. Yeah. You know. Um Yeah, definitely. It's... Yeah. I think it I think it balances that stuff really well and then it and then it just brings comedy right back into it. Yeah. Um I really like the end of that scene where they're like where he's like yelling at his mom and he's like Is it Ed, Ed is the guy? Is, is, <laughs> yeah. is his yeah. stepdad? And yeah. he's like, That's not him, mom. You know, that's <laughs> there's none of him left and then he like turns yeah. the music off. <laughs> but there's so many like perfectly yeah. timed jokes like that mm-hmm. it's great i think my favorite joke is when he's like let me just go and have a look and he climbs up the kid's um slide yeah um and he's like his whole demeanor has changed when he comes back down yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's a lot <laughs> there's a lot yeah um yeah there's so many good things and the practical effects Mm. are great you know i don't think there's any 
CGI going on. No, I mean, the filmmaking, I mean, there's confident filmmaking here. I know that a few weeks ago we talked about kind of the one-shot movies briefly when we talked about a film that you had watched, which the title escapes me a little bit. Yeah, uh, Victoria. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's elements of that when they go to the shop, which is not only do they do it, you know, once, like that continuous shot falling into the shop in and then coming back out back to the house, but they do it twice and they're both in unison, but with different surroundings. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Which is, I think that they are the most impressive scenes because we get it the first time and there's that rhythm to it. You know, like we follow him across the road, he goes and, you know, we get the setup. And it's the exact same, exact same. movement of the camera. Mm-hmm. He trips over the same curb. Like there's the same guy, like homeless guy asking for money. He goes to the same, you know, there's all the same elements, but it's kind of, I'd love to watch them Side by side. I'm sure it's on YouTube. Yeah, I think it, yeah. Side by side and just see how perfectly close they are together. Yeah. Because I'm sure it would be like to the second. Exactly. Yeah, that's the insane part. It's crazy. So I was listening to um, an interview with Edgar Wright on uh, movies to be buried with. Yeah. Um, And he was talking about you know, the filming Baby Driver. Yeah. And the meticulousness of, of some of those scenes and how, you know, just like a small sequence would take weeks. Mm. And they kept having to call back John Bernthal, you know, to to yeah. come and, and, you know, get some shots that they didn't get or whatever. And Edgar Wright was kind of apologizing to him, like, you know, sorry, this is, keep having to call you back and this and that and, he said that John Pernthal was like, hey, man, if it was easy, any asshole would do it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and like, yeah, he, like, Wright was just saying that that kind of, like, stuck with him for a yeah. while after that just because yeah. he's like, yeah, you know, it's like. It's true. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And, and I've been thinking about that, too, and just, like, um, you can really tell especially today it's very easy to i feel like because we're just so saturated with content yeah you know not only do we have like multi-million dollar big budget hollywood movies being made we have multi-million dollar big budget tv shows being made and everything in between yeah i mean there's movies being made for nothing there's movies being made for a couple thousand bucks. There's movies being made for tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands. One or two million is even considered low budget, you know? Yeah. There's YouTube. So many things on YouTube and TikTok and whatever. Um, You can really tell when someone cares. Yeah. Because I it, it it's kind of crazy. Like when someone puts in a whole lot of time to make a movie or even if it's a video you can tell the difference yes and it seems like it should be easy because technology is so accessible now than it ever has been before but even if you have all the best whatever you can tell when someone put in the effort like I mean like you look at um like Bo Burnham's Inside Special. Yeah. 
and and then you watch like the behind the scenes stuff like the the um the outtakes that he did and you see how many times he did some of those bits over and over and over to get it right to get the timing yeah. right to get the lighting right to get the emotion and the joke right yeah yeah if it was easy any old asshole would do it exactly. any, any old asshole does do it but yeah. they're definitely you know there's a reason that Edgar Wright is working at the level he's working now and kind mm-hmm. of got sifted through the crowd yes um i still don't i you know he's the kind of person where anything he puts out i'll watch yeah you know he did a documentary on a band called um sparks um called the sparks brothers from like a couple of years ago <clears throat> and I, I knew like one song but not enough to be like oh this is sparks you know but i still watched it so i was like Edgar Wright. i know it's going to be entertaining and like he's going to give as much credence to this band as need is needed yeah you know and he's going to do them justice um yeah he's he's very singular and i'm glad that he's making movies yeah and i hope that it continues for a long time yeah i really want to watch his uh i know he's got like a a student film or like an early film called fistful of fingers (laughs) yeah yeah we definitely should watch it we definitely should I want to see if it's uh, available somewhere. It's got to be. Um, yeah, just going through my notes here on Shaun of the Dead, just a few things that I wrote down. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I love all the the matching shots. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved when he's like flipping through the channels, and like the end of each sentence would sentence yeah. would connect with the next channel. It was yeah. freaking brilliant. Yeah. Um, it was crazy to me that like the when we actually get like the first when we get them interacting with the first zombie and and we do see like hints of it throughout yeah but when they're actually interviewing with or not interviewing but interacting with the the first zombie and she gets impaled on the pipe like they push her back and they realize what's going on it's 30 minutes into the movie yeah um but all of that thirty minutes leading up to that point is so good. Like it does. It, yeah. It's you know usually you want to get to that action like right away, but yeah, it's so clever throughout and engaging. I think that it it just it doesn't you don't notice really. Yeah, I think it just like it, it just rewards the audience for like you know not being the lowest. <laughs> brains, you know, the lowest amount of brain cells possible. Because yeah. we're going to see a film called Shaun of the Dead, right? If you're going to a multiplex in 2004 to see this film, you've seen the poster, you've probably seen the trailer. You don't need all this preamble of like, there was a virus that took over the world, and this is what, you know, this is slowly coming. We know there's going to be zombies. Yeah. And this exactly. is very simple. Like, we don't care about that. We just care about you getting to know these characters and getting some good jokes in about us living like zombies now before the apocalypse happens to get us through to when it does, you know, everything starts kicking off. Um, and I like that. I like that it's not, you know, it's not wasting its time trying to come up with some crazy reason as to why this outbreak's happening. Yeah. And same with the end. The end doesn't waste its time being like, and then there was a cure and everyone lived happy. It was just like, nope, the army's here in London. It's the end of it. Yeah. 
you know, it just seems to be a 24-hour thing. Yeah. Which is great. Yeah. Um, and I liked, yeah, I really liked the end where they, uh, they, they've like integrated these zombies into society now. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. Like the, they just found a role for them. Uh huh. Yeah. They're, they're working in the service industry. They're, um, which I don't know if I like too much cause it's like kind of being like, you know, <laughs> yeah. you could be a zombie yeah. and do this job. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the game shows. I, I think it might have worked. I th- I think if if and he might he might have. I mean, this was years ago when he made this movie. But I think if you had, you know, the zombie pushing the carts, and then you had like an entitled manager standing next yeah. to them, yelling at them, telling them that they're doing it wrong. I think that mm-hmm. would have been on point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. That's not a knock at you, by the way. <laughs> no, definitely no. <laughs> I'm well aware. <laughs> uh, Lewis used to be my manager, just so, just for yeah. the people who don't know, um, in retail as well. Yeah, but um, <laughs> yeah, no, our our work relationship was more like in uh, Purple Rose of Cairo when yeah the two waitresses are just like talking about movies all the time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, but, uh, yeah, anyway, yeah, I love, and then there's like the game show zombies and then, yeah. uh, yeah. And then of course, you know, he's got, he plays video games with his, his friend yeah. in the shed. Okay. A lot of things remind me, like they, they seem to be born out of the conversations that you would have at the pub anyway. You know, like uh-huh. if you're a fan of horror movies, like, do you think you would notice straight away if there was a zombie apocalypse? You know, that's the kind of question that you would yeah. ask to get a conversation. And then what would happen if there was like a cure? What would we do with all the zombies? Yeah. Would they like would we keep them as pets? You know, kind of mm, you know, what yeah. how would this go down? Yeah. Um, which I like. It's kind of another side to it that as the audience we never see, normally it just ends with our heroes escaping or perishing. Yeah. yeah. You know, where this is kind of just a bit more around the fringes. Yeah. And the the fact that they decide to take um solace in a pub is fantastic mm-hmm. yeah yeah That's definitely every brit feels the safest is in a pub so <laughs> <laughs> uh um do you go to the pub a lot did you used to go to the pub a lot i used to go to the pub a lot yeah yeah it's kind of stopped now that i have a child and responsibilities um is it but yeah there's like there's a whole culture especially i mean in london you know people if you are walking the streets of London at like four thirty-five, most of the people are in the pub having a beer before they go home. Wow, yeah, it's a big thing. Yeah, we used to go to the pubs most nights. Yeah, is it much? I guess I guess that's the a big the big di- the big difference is that most yeah. people are doing it. Where I mean, yeah. I guess there's still a lot of people in America that are doing it, but yeah, is it's it not different. It, it, yeah, it's not like. It's just a place to kind of socialize as opposed yeah. to it's a place to get drunk. You know, the what we see at the beginning where they're kind of sitting on a table, nursing a drink, you know, just chit-chatting. That's pretty much how it is for everybody. Yeah. You know, there's the people that come in to get, you know, smashed and stuff. But for the most part, it's just nursing a pint, eating some nuts. Yeah. Chit-chatting about putting the world to rise, you know. When you lived... uh 
in Plano in that apartment, did you, um, did it make you feel like you were more at home being next to that pub? Yeah, I mean, it's the pub that we went to a lot. Yeah. And I would say that was more, that was similar. I guess a pub more well lit. <laughs> I don't know, like, yeah. there's less spirits. It's more like beers on tap. Yeah. You know, that still feels like a bar to me. Mm. But it's hard to explain. It's yeah. hard to it's hard to recapture the feeling of a pub. Yeah. I'm just going to have to come, you know? come over. Yeah, definitely. I'll yeah. take you to all my local <laughs> pubs. Have a have a bevy in each. Yeah. That sounds good. Yeah. Uh, and if there's a zombie apocalypse, we know where we're going. Yeah, we'll just stay there. We'll just lock yeah, the doors. That's right. Exactly. Take the rifle, the Winchester down. <laughs> um Yeah, a couple other things. Uh like on the news, they were like, The church the Church of England has now joined other extremist religious groups. <laughs> <laughs> I just like that little like Yeah. It's just, yes, it is an extremist religious group. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it already was. Um, <laughs> one of the parts that made me laugh was when um, he's trying to convince his mother that Ed is a bad person when Sean is, Simon Pegg is like talking to his mom and he's like, he just like can't like get it in her head, and he's like, on several occasions he touched me. <laughs> and he's like, that was a lie. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, Nick Frost saying the N word. Yeah, that was uh, that definitely dates the movie. It did it make does. me laugh. Yeah. I'm gonna say that. Yeah. It it definitely made me laugh, yeah. but it was still like, bro, this is. I think there's definitely like a hesitation to Nick Frost. He doesn't kind of. It's a bit more quieter than like the rest of the like his. Yeah, lines, I definitely I feel like he, I probably wouldn't bit... have noticed if I if I didn't have the subtitles on. Yeah, but I, yeah, I was just like, dude. But I mean, it was 2004. <laughs> like, yeah, I feel like in that you know in the 2000s, yeah, the use of the N word it was starting to become like very mainstream in yeah. comedy. I think it shows a, yeah, a lot more about his character. The fact that I think that for white people to use that, like as a collective, you kind of embarrassed by it. Yeah. You know, and I think it says a lot about his character that he's kind of like the embarrassing friend that will say that thing say those things that make others roll their eyes. Uh-huh. You know, because the whole way through, they're like, oh, you got to get rid of Ed. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah, he's, yeah, he's like problematic, <laughs> yeah. 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 He he would be frustrating, though. Yeah, if you like actually knew him. Yeah. yeah. If he, yeah. If he was in your friend group, it would definitely be frustrating, yeah. but... Um, I bet they've got some killer stories. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> From uh, five years ago. <laughs> Um. Yeah, I mean Nick Frost is is great. Mm-hmm. I wish that he I is. I saw him in as much in mainstream stuff as I do Simon Pegg. I know, but I'm yeah. sure he's working just as much. I just don't see him yeah. quite as often. Simon I Pegg just like... got that that really nice like Mission Impossible gig. Yes, 
Yeah, exactly. And he's kind of... I feel like Nick Frost does... He kind of varies it. He does things across the pond, but also in it, like he does a lot of English films as yeah. well. Okay. You know, where Stalin yeah. is, feels completely now that he's he, an American Yeah, he's like an American movie pop, star. Culture, pop, yeah. pop culture icon in America. Yeah. I mean, in 2019, he was in The Fighting With My Family with Florence Pugh, which is about like a, a wrestler from England that oh. made it into the WWE. Okay. Um, I think The Rock, like, um, executive produced that film. But that is, like, a surprisingly good entertaining movie. Yeah. Um, Why surprising? Because it just, the premise just doesn't sound like something I would enjoy. Yeah. You know, it's about, um, like, a, a girl that's born into a wrestling family that gets a chance to go to the WWE. Hmm. And I was kind of like, mm, whatever. Yeah. It's a bit like that Gran Turismo film that just came out. Yeah, I'm kind of like that doesn't really. It's not anything that would interest me, but it is good. It's you know a good story, and the performances are really good. And Florence Pugh is, you could tell she was going to be huge, you know. Yeah. So, but he's in that, and he's been in some other Englishy stuff, you know. Yeah. He's, he's yeah. Great. Um. Martin Freeman, barely in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you know the connection to one of the main? cast members for Martin Freeman? No. The person who plays Diane, Lucy Davis, was the Pam character in the English office with Martin Freeman. Oh, okay. Gotcha. So they were like the two love interests. Yeah. And then um, Dylan Moran, who plays David, um, he was in a sitcom called Black Books, which is about a bookshop owner. And then someone on the other side, on the other team, is um, from that sitcom as well. Gotcha. So there's a few kind of like mirroring people on there. Yeah. Nice. Um, and then the leader of that group was in Spaced with Simon Pegg. Oh, okay, cool. So they were really close and knew each other. Yeah. That's awesome. So she keeps kind of popping up. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you start digging into these filmographies, you're going to find. Yeah. The s- same people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And what I really love, which I didn't find out until I kind of did some digging for this, is that all the, well, the majority of the zombies were fans of space that they kind of recruited from the spaced forums mm. online. Oh, okay. So a lot of the zombies are like, you know, were fans of their early work, so they wanted them to be a part of it. Yeah. Which is cool. Yeah, that is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, imagine just being like a big fan of that show, and then you get to I be know. in Edgar yeah, Wright's movie. Sure the dead. Yeah. I know. Which I get, this was like his first big like hit, mm-hmm. I think, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Space had like a cult following, um, but this was like, you know, I mean, this was his first proper movie, right? Probably, apart from you know, like student stuff. Yeah, um, and this and Hot Fuzz, there's like an ongoing joke. There's like a channel, a TV channel in England called E4, and it's on. It seems to be on E4 all the time. Oh really? Like yeah. it, one of these films seems to be on like whenever you turn over. Yeah. So it's kind of it's constantly on TV here. Yeah. Which is great. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah, it's cool to have a movie that just like releases and then just stays goes and, and goes. Yeah, yeah, just goes exactly. Just has because it didn't fuel. I think it it made like thirty million from a six million dollar budget when it came out, which is really good. But I feel like it's more popular than that 
you know, last week we were talking about Dracula making two hundred and fifteen million, and I think more people now would recognize like shots from this film than they would Dracula. Yeah, you know, I'm sure, probably. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It seems to be in circulation every Halloween, like showing it. Um, yeah, showing it like Alamo and things like that. Like, yeah. Also, 2004 re-release, uh, the remake of Dawn of the Dead came out. Mm, yeah. The Zack Snyder version. Yeah. Came, which, out, came out earlier that year, and then Shaun of the Dead came out in September. That is interesting, which I don't think I've ever... I don't think I've... Have I, is that the one with Ty Burrell? Is he in that one? Um, yeah, let me look. I'm not sure. I can't remember the actors' Pretty, names. Yeah. Pretty sure I might have seen it. Don't the It is. Yeah, I did. I think I watched that in university for something. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Um, that is a weird coincidence, though, how those two kind of came out at the same time. Um, yeah. Right? Yeah. Because I feel but like I th- Dawn of the Dead was pretty successful as well yeah but it probably helped that they didn't come around come out at the same time it probably helped dawn of the dead that it came out six months before Mm because otherwise people probably wouldn't have taken it seriously afterwards no but i just thought it was a bit of like a cash-in kind of thing yeah um i know that um george a romero really really liked this film and then um had Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright in one of the films. Oh, really? He really liked yeah, Shaun as of the zombies. Dead? Yeah, and he had them as zombies in one of the films that he made. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so um, big fan of the film. Thought it was really well done. Which, I mean, it, for a film that kind of is paying homage to that, you couldn't ask for any more, could you? As a filmmaker, you kind of think, well, I've done my job. Yeah, exactly. So. Yeah, I would really like to... I've watched some of the later Romero zombie movies, but I would like to watch all of them. Yes, I think... Yeah, same here. Because I think they all kind of... Um, blend. Yeah, blend, like, like complement each other, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know, build mm-hmm. on top of the next one. Yeah. So I want to see what that kind of where that story goes, yeah, and how the zombies evolve. Maybe that could be a film church radio season. Yeah. Just watch all the Ramiro zombie movies. Yeah, that's right. I think I feel like I say this every week. I'm like, maybe in the future this could be something we could do. Yeah, <laughs> I have to make a list of it one day so I don't forget. <laughs> We, uh, yeah, we just want to watch everything, so. We do. It's true. I mean, there's, how many did he make? Like One four? billion. Oh, five, six, oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. Only five? It seems like there'd be more. Yeah, I think there is more. I don't, I couldn't tell on where I was looking if that was, um, like the remakes and stuff included. But hmm. 
George Romero's Dead series, Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead, Land of the Dead, Diary of the Dead, and Survival of the Dead. Cool. Enough to get our teeth stuck into those. Yeah. Six is a good number. It is. For zombie movies. Watch this space. <laughs> um, cool. Cool, 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 cool. <laughs> um, what else? Okay, I want to know what the pole with the tennis ball is. Is that a British thing, or am I just clueless? I think it. I mean, it might just be a British thing. It's it's kind of like to play tennis on a small area. So the pole sticks in the ground, and the tennis ball is like on a rope. And you stand like either side, and you hit it to each other. And if you miss, it wraps round. Right. Okay. The thing, and you kind of lose a point. Yeah, I think we do I have guess. that in America. It's just yeah. like a, it's like a dodgeball ball. Oh, okay. And yeah, you just it's slap like it with ten- your hand. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We're a bit more civilized. We use rackets. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I haven't seen those in a long time. I don't know if people still no. have those. Yeah, I mean, I haven't. I think we had one when I was a kid, but I can't remember seeing one any, you know, recently or being aware that, you know, seeing them in shops or anything. Yeah. So interesting. Yeah. Um yeah. <laughs> uh, just a few like like the part where he's like, He's not my boyfriend and then he comes <laughs> up and he's like, Might be a bit warm, the cooler's off and he's like, Thanks, babe. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, um, yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Yeah, and this this stuff that I got here. I mean, it's a if you haven't seen it already, definitely go and see it. It's such a good time. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's great. It's, it's yeah. fun. I hope you had as much fun listening to us as you did watching it. And if not, yeah. you can leave us a review. Tell us how much you hate us. <laughs> <laughs> so do we want to guess what we rated the film um yeah we sure do um i guess that you rated it four. all right four stars i'm gonna guess you rated it five yes you would be right <laughs> it is a stone cold five star classic for me Dang. it's one of the it's a great film. I love it. Yeah. And I think every time I watch it, I don't get bored by it. Um, it's still funny. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. Sweet. Two thumbs up. Two films up. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think four is right. Yeah. I think that hits the money. Um, yeah. I think it'll probably go up the more I watch it and other Edgar movies. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. 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 I think I would like to go see this film in the cinema when it's showing at Alamo. Yeah. It's probably showing right now as we're speaking. I bet it is. Yeah. How's that for a bit of fried gold? <laughs> um, so what does that mean for next week? What are we watching? So next week, 
I have taken my inspiration from Edgar Wright, who is a big cinephile, lover of movies. Um, he has got a list on Letterboxd of his top 40 films. And one of them is a film that I've been wanting to watch for a while, and that is Don't Look Now from 1973 um, with Donald Sutherland in it. Um, ah, they were be... just talking about this on Brett Goldstein's podcast. Yes. Yes. Um, supposed to be one of the greatest British horror films of all time. Maybe one of the greatest British films of all time. And I haven't seen it. So that's what we'll be watching next week. Awesome. I'm excited for that. Yes. Me too. But that'll be next week, folks. Um, that brings us to the end of the show. You can find us on all the social medias at Film Church Radio, or you can follow us individually on our letterboxes. I am at Selmascope and Lewis is at Walker Lewis 3007. There you can keep up with what we've been watching and what we've been rating things. Um, we also have all of our back episodes streaming on Barbie's Back. And you can find us on all good podcast platforms. Please leave us a rating and review. Uh, let us know if you liked film and what you would want for us to watch in the future. Thank you for being here, and we hope to see you next Sunday for more Darnish Horror Month. The only thing left to say is... He's not my boyfriend. <laughs> oh, I, I didn't realize this was the cut. <laughs> I didn't realize that I had, like, it earlier. I could cut that part of the show out. That's okay. It's a good quote. <laughs> I'm glad we talked about it. <laughs> He's not my boyfriend. It might be a bit warm. The cooler's off. Thanks, babe. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Oh, <laughs>